mixed martial arts and boxing fans. It's time for Fighters Fury, inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, good Sunday morning, everybody. Excuse for the brick, uh, the briskness. I, think, I don't think my throat's used to this frigid weather. It's cold out there. Be careful. All these Buffalo fans bringing it down here, you bastards. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a nice change. I, I, I'm, uh, I was appreciative. Yesterday we did the dribble drive, and it was like a nice, I would say, low mid-60s in the morning. So that was really appreciative when you're walking 14 miles. You don't want to be, you know, soupy pants the entire time. But, uh, man, now i got to throw in, throw in my hoodie. It's, uh, it's cold out there. So be careful, everybody. I uh, also want to say uh, thank you to everybody who... Uh, donated, supported, were a part of the um, the awesome week that was Heat Help Cure with the Radiothon, with the Dribble Drive. It was a smashing success this year. I don't know what the final numbers were, but I but I heard they were just way way bigger than than last year. Like not even it, they're not even in the same ballpark uh, of how much bigger it was this year. So uh, props to everybody for doing that. It was crazy to see how many people went out for the Dribble Drive yesterday. Um, you know, from it was just being five people the year beforehand, you know, just kind of a, a cool little signature event as far as like Zaslo and Zach Duarte and uh, the others that went out last year. And then this was like this was like Rocky, too. It was crazy. It was like the entire streets coming together, dribbling uh, in the fight against cancer. So it was a really beautiful thing to see and uh, made for sore legs. I'm not going to lie. 14 miles dribbling a basketball. It gets to you. You needed. A, I needed. A, I needed a little, little tub work afterwards. You know what it was? It was we had this. Uh, we had this thing where, um, you know, I'm sure as you guys heard in the ads, we did the dribble drive, and we went 14 miles, and then there was like the dribble, the the shorter dribble drive. We did the challenge, is what I would say. We, so we did. We went 14 miles, and we went from Miami Cancer Institute at like 6 a.m. And I would say it took us until about noon to get to the American Airlines Arena. But one of the things uh, that happened is in the midst of it, you know, you go 10 miles and then you get to this Vizcaya Museum. And, I mean, we're, we're basically doubling in size for the people who want to do just the three-mile one, which is from Vizcaya all the way to the arena. And, I mean, there's just a – you know, when you're, when you're walking that long, you just want to keep going. You don't want to stop. And, you know, we do little stops every now and then, you know, quick grab some water. You know, I took one bathroom break, all that stuff, uh, you know, where there was a line out the wazoo to get into the porta potty. But, you know, you get to that, you get to that, uh, to that break and we're, you know, we're standing around for like 20 minutes. The damn mayor's there. He's talking. Um, there's, you know, speech after speech after speech. I'm like, well, why didn't they do this while we were walking? They should have done it then. And then they should all just gather behind us and go. So if I could put one into the suggestion box uh, for next year, that's what I would say, is I would say have all the pomp and circumstance being done at this uh, Vizcaya Museum, get that out of the way, and then let's just have them ready to rock and roll by the time we meet up there. Let's have be like a couple of cross comets in the sky. Either way, it was a great event, uh, very impressive to see. I'm sure uh, when the powers that be there, Zaslo and – Carrie Ann and Mike D when they all came up with this idea I'm sure that they thought it would be a cool idea I don't think they knew what they uh they had in mind when 
everything came together. And, uh, you know, Mark from Heat Help Cure Campaign, he did a fantastic job. Everybody, it's great walking with everybody yesterday. It was just a fantastic event, man. So that was uh, that was my uh, Saturday morning yesterday. So as far as the fights are concerned, here's what we had yesterday. We had UFC Sao Paulo, uh, Jan Blakowicz taking on Jacare Souza. Um not gonna be uh, not gonna be rolled back on ESPN for a fight classic anytime this decade. It was uh, it was pretty lackluster. It ended up going to to Jan. He got himself the split decision win. Uh, Jacare loses a couple in a row. Um, you know, it, it was it was it was not that exciting a fight. There's not there's not much I, I think you you would uh, you would take from it as far as consequence breakdown because I don't think anybody came out of it with a performance where you're like, yeah, I can't wait to see that guy's next bout. Uh, Jacare has been doing the damn thing forever. We know that he signed a new six, uh, he signed a six fight contract with the UFC like a year and a half ago. So he's, uh, he's rolling through. I mean, he's an all time classic. He's one of the best grapplers of all time. Uh, he was moving up in weight. He was moving up to light heavyweight here. So that was, uh, that was one of the, the tests and it wasn't as easy for him to get Jan down and, and uh, and go to work on the ground where he's an absolute monster and and one of the best to ever do it. So, you know, this has been one thing. The one thing I'll say about guys moving up in weight, I know it's a popular thing to think everybody should move up in weight, and it's it's going to be an automatic success story. The one thing I'll say with this is I I wish with guys moving up in weight, I I want them to go about it because here's the thing a lot of the times when guys move up in weight it's normally a guy with a bigger name an established name they fall on hard times and like this is how we're going to revitalize the career okay cool the one thing i would hope is if you're gonna invest time in them moving up in weight give them time to get used to the weight you know don't do this thing where you have them go move up in weight and they're fighting a top six guy, a top seven guy, a top three guy. If you're, you know, Darren Till, you're moving up, you're fighting Kelvin Gaslam. Yeah, he got the win and he looked good, but it wasn't the most, it, it wasn't the most fantastic fight in the world. And it's not one of those fights where you're just like, damn, this guy's going to be, like if I have a guy like a Darren Till, like a Max Holloway, like a, uh, a Chris Weidman, if I have a, an established name, that I'm trying to put some new shine on. You move them up in weight, you put them on, uh, you put them on a card, and you see how they look against a guy just outside the top ten, maybe top fifteen, something like that. Really have them get used to the wave, be comfortable. Because when you have a guy who's used to doing something like 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 Sosa is, and he's moving up in weight, and he goes to fight a guy like Jan, it's like, all right, now he can't take him down. Now what? Now you're really asking the guy not only to get used to this new weight, this new power, this new strength that he has to get used to, but also he has to get used to the fact of, hey, I may not be able to do all the things that I've been able to do, especially a guy who maybe doesn't have knockout power. That Does that power carry? Are you hurting guys the same way? Um, You know, there's certain... There's, there's certain... Um, there, there's certain exceptions to the rule, you know, like if a guy wants to move up in weight and he wants to fight for the title, he's already a champion. Okay, I get it. But I'm talking more about the guys who are not on the best track record, the guys who have had a couple of nicks on their record and you're, you're really looking to rehab. Because if you're looking to rehab it, do it right. You know, don't don't be these guys. Like if you're, even if I were to equate this to boxing, you know, don't, 
move up in weight, and then all of a sudden you're taking on the the champion, unless you're already a champion. Like, if you're Canelo Alvarez and you've done everything there is to do at middleweight and you want to show your big cojones and you want to move up two weight classes to fight Sergey Kovalev, okay, because you've done everything there is to do. That I understand, but if you're if you're a guy who is not only is not only on a losing streak, but you know is is trying to search for himself and trying to search some things out as far as their career is concerned, why in God's name you're throwing them to the wolves to not only fight a guy who's naturally bigger than them probably, but you're you're taking on a guy who's top five, top seven, top ten. These these are the best of the best. So. That that's the one thing I've noticed. It's it's kind of been a trend. Everybody thought it was just a buzz thing. Oh, look at look at what it did for Dustin Poirier to move away. Yeah, you know, Dustin Poirier was at 155 pounds four years before he got a title shot. Like he got to he got to sow his oats a little bit. He Jorge Masvidal, 155 fighter. Once the IVs were gone, moved to 170. Yeah, he didn't he didn't jump right in there to take on Tyron Woodley. You know these guys have had chances to really, really reestablish themselves. And so that's the one thing I would say is that there's no breaks. And I, and I think that for some of these guys who are really trying to recapture some magic and really get themselves in a good position, you know, going right to a top contender right away is, uh, is not the best route. And, you know, people will say, well, you know, they, they got a main event contract or, you know, we, they, they get paid big money. Jacare has been around for a while. He makes good money. And, it's like, yeah, but we play in the long game here. We play in the short game. So, what's the hurt in putting Jacare Souza on a UFC, uh, you know, two forty four card or two forty five, and you have him do his his uh, his light heavyweight debut there? And it's like that guy's got a recognizable name. No one's gonna not buy the pay per view if they see Jacare on there. So, why not do something like that for him? And then you also get to you get. Some of the bank for up people be into buying the card, and also um, you kind of build them up a little bit, especially if it's a, a more highly publicized card. It's just strange to me. It's just like, yeah, we're gonna have Jacques Ray. He's on hard times a little bit, but we're gonna have him make his light heavyweight debut. That's the that's the rub here. Plus, he's fighting in his hometown. He's fighting. He's fighting in front of his his fans. It's like, all right. And I know with Jacques Ray, there's not like the most time in the world because he's forty allegedly. So, you know, maybe you got to get going, but. If you're gonna do it, do it right. That's that's what I come out of it with. If you're gonna do these move ups and you're gonna and you're just gonna say, ah, he's moving up, he's gonna be healthier. Cause yeah, the the weight cut's not gonna be as hard on them. But what about how are their skills gonna translate? Like they're I everybody goes with this move up and wait, move up and wait. Okay. But there is also a reason why so many of these guys try and cut down as much as possible. It's because there is a natural size advantage for them. Um, when they're able to rehydrate. And if you take some of that via away, yeah, the weight cut's not as hard, but also you're not going to have as many size advantages when you walk into that cage. And, you know, just because you feel like everything is new age and everything is done a certain way and things are healthy, you know, okay, I'll, I'll hear you out on that, but Max Holloway at 145 pounds is a lot different than Max Holloway at 155 pounds. At 145 pounds, He's basically like the featherweight John Jones. Like, you can't touch him. You can't be near him. And nobody's really his size. Like, good luck, Alexander Volkanovsky. Good luck, everybody, at featherweight at beating Max Holloway. He is a different specimen at that weight. At 155 pounds, he's special. But he's not He's not from another planet. 
I think the same thing probably goes for John Jones. John Jones is perfectly built for 205. Do I think he had, would he have success at heavyweight? Sure. He absolutely would. He's one of the best fighters to ever do it. But would he be untouchable? I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. With it, would, he, would he not be able to take everybody down at will? Would he have to face the danger of guys who hit a lot harder than him? Yeah. So I think that's one thing that, that is always just thrown around with the, with the combat sports. Ah, just move up in weight, move around in weight. He's going to feel a lot more healthy. He's going to carry this. Not always. It's not always the cure-all for everything. We'll be back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Last night you had Bare Knuckle. It was back. Bare Knuckle FC. We just spoke to Hector Lombard last week. He's making his debut in February. He says it's going to be down here. So if you guys are interested in that, uh, Bare Knuckle will be coming down to South Florida. Sounds like early 2020. But um, as far as Bare Knuckle is concerned, this is really, if you want to talk about their, their Bonner Griffin, this is the matchup where they felt like anybody who saw this fight was like, whoa, I'm hooked on Bare Knuckle. And that was Jason Knight versus Artem Lobov. Uh, Jason Knight, both former UFC guys, Autumn Lobov, known as uh, Conor McGregor's former sparring partner, the Russian Hammer. Uh, he got the best of it in the in the first matchup. Uh, this one, Jason Knight really pieced him up. I mean, it really wasn't a close fight. Jason Knight was dancing outside pretty much the entire time, picking his spots. He knocked him down, I think, three times. Uh, busted up Artem Lobov's eye really bad, and he hit him with this this nasty left hand in the fifth round. Dropped Artem Lobov. Couldn't go on anymore. Corner stopped it. And uh, the series is now tied at one apiece. Um, you, you know, I for, for Artem, it's a, it's a tough one because he just lost. He lost the uh, – he's uh, he, he loses this one uh, on a rivalry. Uh, I don't really know where they go from here. But these guys, look, these are the guys they uh, – they, they they see them as the as the poster children for their promotion. They're getting a lot of these former UFC's guys, Chase Sherman, Beck Rawlings, all these these uh, these former UFC participants, and you know Hector Lombard, another one. And I think there's something for it. You know, when you want to say like you just want to see these guys in action, be in competition, things like that. Jason Knight, who burst onto the UFC like crazy, and then uh, you know fell on hard times. He's talking about a lot of those uh, demons that he had before that he was. Uh, not focused on training as much as he as he was in the early goings of his career, um, and maybe this is a launching point to get him back in the UFC at one point because he's had so much success with it. But um, not as competitive as the last one, not as grueling as the last one, especially as a, uh, as a back and forth is concerned. Um, it was uh, it was it was the Jason Knight show last night. It was really uh, it was it was all on his on on his doing. Um, the big thing coming up next week. So as far as fights are concerned, UFC is going to be off for a little bit. They're back in action on December 7th. Um, you got Alistair Overeem against uh, Jarzino Rosenstrike. That's coming up in two weeks. Two weeks we have that fight. So UFC is going to take a little bit of a break. We do have a big boxing match coming up next week. We have Deontay Wilder against Luis Ortiz for the WBC Heavyweight Championship of the World. Um, this is going to be a fun fight. I, you know, it, it, is a, it is a rematch that... Was a little surprising, I, I got to be honest with you, because I feel like Deontay Wilder did all he needed to do against Luis Ortiz um, from the standpoint of he beat him. You know, Luis Ortiz was not a guy anybody wanted to fight. Nobody wants to fight Luis Ortiz. You're forced to fight Luis Ortiz. 
And I think Deontay Wilder got a lot of credibility with that fight against Luis because he stopped a guy nobody wanted to face. He is uh, allegedly 40 years old. He is a southpaw. He is a tremendous technical boxer. He has a lot of power. He's hard to figure out. It's a nightmare for a lot of these guys, especially if you think about would Anthony Joshua want to fight him? Probably not. Would uh, Andrew Ruiz want to fight him? I mean, probably not first on his list with Tyson Fury. I mean, Tyson Fury would probably feel the most comfortable out of any of those guys wanting to fight a Luis Ortiz, but he hasn't. I mean, he's kind of just been sticking here fighting whatever bum ESPN puts in front of him. And we'll get to him in a little bit because I have something interesting on on Tyson Fury. But Deontay Wilder taking on Luis Ortiz, the only benefit if you're Deontay is you want to go and put all doubt to rest. You want to show that you're better than him. I guess similar to taking on Stavern when he uh, he took Stavern on short notice when he was supposed to fight Luis Ortiz originally. Um, he ended up turning him into a meme. And so the only guy who had went the distance with Deontay Wilder, now he obliterated in 90 seconds. So there's that. Um, but fighting Luis Ortiz, again, is dangerous. Like, let's not... let's. Let's not mince words. Let's not act like this is an easy fight for him, that this is going to be a cakewalk for him. Luis Ortiz has looked great since the fight against Deontay Wilder, and everybody watching that fight felt the same way, and that was Luis Ortiz was winning that fight. He was winning that fight. He put Deontay in some danger, probably not as much in danger as everybody said. I think he was more in danger of beating him on the scorecards than he was putting him away in the middle part of that fight, but, you know, this is this is the thing that's interesting is I don't think a lot of those things are going to change unless you feel like Luis Ortiz is truly washed and and that he's just that was the best swing that he had of getting the championship. It, unless you truly feel that way, I feel like they're both coming into this with a lot of similar skill sets. You know that the, the old saying styles makes fight styles make fights, and I think looking at these two, I don't know why a lot of that stuff would change. Why a lot of that stuff would change. Um, in, in the early going, unless Deontay feels like, and this is this is the interesting part, unless he feels like he has seen everything that he has and he's going to know the openings a lot better this time around to go and put away Luis Ortiz a lot faster. One thing I think is fascinating with this matchup and what I think you can learn as far as a future fight with Deontay is if he is able to do that, if he is able to figure out Luis Ortiz a lot faster, and find a home for that for that just nuclear right hand. I I do think that will show off what would happen in a Tyson Fury rematch because everybody kind of goes to the 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 well of with Tyson Fury. Well, he fought that well against Deontay Wilder and he hadn't even been that active in a while. Okay, I and I I understand that theory, but you know Deontay had a lot of things that he had to learn in that fight too. Fighting a guy that's a lot bigger than him learning the range, figuring things out, and he was able to put him down a couple times in that fight. And ultimately, I'm not going into Deontay Wilder fights looking for Deontay Wilder to teach me uh, the ways of boxing. I'm not looking to go and see Deontay Wilder go out there and show me the sweet science. His sweet science is knock your bleeping head off. That's his sweet science, okay? He's not out there to show you the beautiful art of boxing. He's there to take your head clean off. That's what makes him special. That's what makes him box office. That is what's making him the star that he is today. And if you see Deontay Wilder get rid of Luis Ortiz with ease in this fight, 
then you're then you're then you're saying, well, he is learning something. You know, I don't think he's going to go out there stick behind his jab and you know marvel everybody. He's not going to he's not going to outbox Luis Ortiz. Not that pedigree, not that skill set, not that style. It's just that's not going to be the case. But he goes into every fight looking to win by knockout. He doesn't go into these fights looking to win by decision. He's not a scorecards guy. So from my standpoint, I look at this and I think, man, all right, if he if he is able to go out and, and, and eradicate Ortiz a lot faster, that would show me that this guy does learn from his fights, does learn from his opponents, does take notes and, and store them in a memory bank and know how to get to his way of victory a lot faster when he gets a second chance at the guy. So that's that's what I would take. As far as Ortiz is concerned, you gotta just you gotta it almost feels like you have to be even more perfect because the margin of error is slim. He has put you down twice, okay? He has he has put you to the canvas a couple of times. And if it wasn't for those slip-ups, you're standing here probably heavyweight champion of the world today. Um the you know, the question is with him the age. How much better does Luis Ortiz get from here? You know, is he is he a guy who is over the hill? I mean, he quite clearly is over the hill from a number standpoint, but he's a badass. He's an absolute monster. He goes and he can knock fools out. Can he put Deontay Wilder, this is the real question for him, can he put Deontay Wilder in a sense of fearing any danger at all? Make Deontay Wilder a little bit more gun-shy. Make Deontay Wilder think twice about stuff. Make Deontay Wilder not want to go after the openings that he sees. Can he give him anything to think about in this fight? He did it a little bit. He ambushed him a little bit in the corner where we saw Deontay Wilder maybe wilting maybe seeing a little bit of danger, maybe starting to see that he is, uh, he's got some things to think about, but can he do it enough to where he may not have to worry about that big bomb um, that, that, that'll make Deontay Wilder a little bit wary about going after him? Those are the things that, that, that Luis Ortiz has to keep in mind when it comes to this, when it comes to this bout. Um, I, I just think, you know, as far as a prediction is concerned for me, Deontay Wilder, I feel like he is he's he's got the bigger margin for error in this fight. If I if I were to look at these two guys and say, all right, who doesn't have to be perfect and win? I would say Deontay Wilder. And that may sound crazy because he's the knockout artist and the knockout, but he half hits you and you get hurt and you go down. With Luis, it feels like he's going to have to fight a perfect fight to beat Deontay Wilder and not get caught with anything. And that still is tough. Like He still has to get within that 6-6 range of Deontay Wilder. He has to get in those, inside those telephone poles. He has to give Deontay Wilder something to respect. And if you are going to do that, that is going to leave you open for danger. He is still getting a little bit older. Deontay still is more in his prime if we're going to talk about these two fighters. You know, Deontay Wilder didn't fight close to the perfect fight against Luis Ortiz the last time. He probably would have lost that fight if it did end up going to the judges. He needed that knockout, but he got it. He got it. And, you know, we've seen this in the step up with competition with Deontay Wilder. As the competition gets better, as the boxing gets a little bit better, he is very much being shown to be outclassed as a quote-unquote boxer. But that's not how he wins. All right. Boxing, you can talk about sweet science all you want. You can talk about scorecards. You can talk about the, the the beautiful art behind it all you want. There's multiple ways to win this fight. There's multiple ways to go out there and have your hand raised at the end. 
And his typically is puts you on the canvas and you don't get back up. Some people are freaks like Tyson Fury who can get up like the undertaker and they can get up from that death touch. And it's, it's unbelievable. But most don't, most don't go to the scorecards with Deontay Wilder. And when he puts you down, it's over. And if you're telling me over 12 rounds, he's never going to find Luis Ortiz's chin when he found him twice in the first go around and he didn't really know what he was facing. Um, I, I just have that. I have a hard time believing that. Now that he knows what he's going in there against, now that he knows what Luis Ortiz brings to the table, I feel like he's going to have almost an easier time to find the guy's chin and put him on the canvas. We're going to need to see something very, very different from Luis Ortiz early on in this fight just to put Deontay Wilder on his toes. If we can see that, then, then we're in business. If you're a Luis Ortiz fan, I know we have many of them down here in Miami, and the dude's absolutely awesome. You know, this guy... Luis Ortiz, for those who don't know, this guy, he is he's such he's such a great dude. And you will see him, I mean, at every show down here. Every show. Every show. Every show at the Hard Rock, at the fairgrounds, wherever it is, you're probably going to see Luis Ortiz in the crowd, mingling with people, taking the pictures. He really is. I mean, he is he is beloved down here. But but we do have to be wary of what he's walking into and what he's walking into is still a guy who put him on the canvas twice and did finish him off and now that guy knows more about you the second time that he faces you um i tell you one thing though if luis ortiz wins this fight and he does capture the wbc what a shakeup we have i mean you're talking about in all this john about when we're gonna get deontay wilder and anthony joshua and all that stuff you know now we're at a point where Luis Ortiz and Andy Ruiz have both titles. That's crazy. That's pretty bananas. And that's why it should be a lesson to these guys. Look, you guys can sit here and dance and, and play cutesy-cutesy all you want. But if you, have a, if you have a bona fide super fight, not everybody is Manny Pacquiao and, and Floyd Mayweather. And that star power is not going to rub off. If you have a fight that you think is hot and is going to get people going and is going to make you a fan for a while, you take that. You take that opportunity to have that fight. And we may be uh, uh, in a week's time away from both of those guys not having any championships. That's a very real possibility, a very real possibility. Because though I feel like Deontay Wilder, I feel like he is going to win the fight. I don't feel fantastic about it, and I wouldn't be surprised if Luis Ortiz comes out of this thing on top. But I got to make a prediction. And if I'm going to get make a prediction, I'm going to take about the guy who doesn't have to be as perfect. It's a little bit younger. Um, I feel like still has more learning to do. Luis Ortiz has learned everything there is to learn. Um, if he can go out there and he can, if he could fight, if he could fight his fight that he fought last time and avoid being put on the canvas, Luis Ortiz is going to be world champion, but it's a long, long 36 minutes to not get touched by Deontay Wilder. It's a long time. He doesn't need much of a window. And so that's why I feel like we're looking at these two. Who do you, whose chances do you like? I like the guy who doesn't have to be as perfect. I really do. In a heavyweight matchup, the guy who's got more power, the guy who puts everybody down, I know he's not beautiful. I know a lot of boxing pundits watch him and they say, Ugh, this guy. I don't like I don't I don't like what he brings to the table. You can say all you want, but normally when he steps into the ring with one of his opponents, they're getting put on their ass. And a lot of times they're staring up at the lights before the count of ten. We're back after this. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast it's fighters fury on am 790 the ticket welcome back everybody fighters fury rolls on this sunday morning just watching back some of ortiz versus Wilder won. They got the full fight up on YouTube. If you guys want to check it out, it's at Premier Boxing Champions on their page. You know, I didn't even check out when we were doing our whole breakdown. Just, I wanted to see what the odds were. I was I was curious. Um, I'm very surprised how long the odds are for Luis Ortiz. I mean, Deontay Wilder is a minus 650 favorite in this fight. Luis Ortiz is a plus 425. And I got to tell you, if I'm looking at that, and I may have some friends going to Vegas who host radio shows on this radio station. I may have to throw them a couple hundred just to to put on Luis Ortiz because that just seems that that to me is a little bit crazy. I mean, we did see the first. You guys did see the first fight, right? Like, not much has changed in the in the in between with these uh, with these gentlemen. So I found that a little bit strange that that Deontay Wilder is that that heavy a favorite in this bout. But, um, you know, and the other thing is going back and watching that seventh round, man, he was in danger. I mean, Deontay Wilder was in a lot more danger than I remember him being in the first fight. So um, just keep that in mind. That full fight is, I think if you're going to prime and you're going to get ready for it, uh, they got the whole fight up there uh, in, in, uh, in, in crystal clear HD, whatever, right there on their YouTube page. So check that on out before fight week hits us this week. Um, you know what is interesting, too? It is a Fox pay-per-view, not a Showtime which is just interesting that premieres just completely shifted over to that whole Fox, that whole Fox platform, um, which is which I'm fine with. That's cool. You know the the only thing I wish they would bring the broadcast over from Showtime, like the broadcasters. Like, can they just be Premier Boxing Champion broadcasters? Like 
Morinal, Pauli Malinaji, Al Bernstein. Those guys are those guys are so damn good. And the the Fox crew, yeah, yeah. This was interesting to me. We got a couple of fights we want to uh, I want to talk about before we get out of here today. Um, Nick Diaz. He uh, he called out Jorge Masvidal. We'll get to that in just a minute. But Tyson Fury says that he's open to a fight with Stipe Miocic in a in a boxing match. Stipe called him out. He was on Ariel Hawani's MMA show. Uh, Ariel breaking all the news this week, and Stipe says that he's open to boxing Tyson Fury. Now he did say this before when it was uh, with it was Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua, I don't know who that is. Um, Stipe he has that background in boxing. He's a very good striker. And we've seen this a little bit with Jorge, too. Jorge has said that he wants to fight Canelo Alvarez. Look, the Canelo thing with Jorge Masvidal, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, I just don't think that that Masvidal is as uh, established enough of a pay-per-view star to make Canelo want to make that fight happen. I really don't. Like, I don't think that fight can be close to Floyd Mayweather versus... Uh, versus Conor McGregor. It just can't be. Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather are two of the biggest combat pay-per-view stars of all time. That's why you make that fight. Uh, Masvidal, he's just not there yet. And maybe he will be. Uh, maybe you give him a couple of years, maybe show that you know if he fights Nick Diaz, fights for the title, and, uh, and, and, and fights Conor McGregor, then maybe do you do the Canelo fight? I could definitely see that. But right now is next. I don't think he's there yet. It doesn't mean it's completely out of the question that Masvidal gets the Canelo fight, but I feel like he would need to do this, fight for the title, fight Nick Diaz, fight Conor McGregor, or two out of those three, get a couple more million-plus pay-per-view buys, and then Canelo's like, all right, this guy, this guy clearly is, uh, has got that behind him. Um, but just one, I feel like if I'm Canelo Alvarez, I'm like, what, what's, what, is it worth it? Is, is it worth doing that fight? Is it worth this, uh, this, crazy, this crazy dude from Miami who comes from the backyards and all that stuff, is it worth it? me fighting that fight for it just being another number. I think it needs it, these you got to realize with these boxers who want to do these crossover fights, it needs to be astronomical. But the Tyson Fury Stipe Miocic fight is a little bit different. It's a little bit different. Here's why. Okay. With Canelo and Jorge Masvidal, there's a very clear rift because Canelo is under the contract of DAZN. He has the biggest contract in combat sports. He's a DAZN fighter. Therefore, you would need Jorge Masvidal to get the approval of UFC to do the fight. But if you were to do a Tyson Fury fight against Stipe Miocic, both of those gentlemen, though they're under different promoters, they're on the same network. It's ESPN. So the Tyson Fury-Stipe Miocic fight is not very hard to make. I mean, quite frankly, all it takes is Disney or ESPN calling up Dana White, calling up Bob Ehrman says, I want this fight, baby. I want a lot of people buying ESPN Plus. And you get the power behind that. The heavyweight champ from UFC, the heavyweight champ from boxing, the lineal heavyweight champion, and you do all the promotion you can on ESPN for it. I think that would do very, very big numbers. It doesn't have a lot of hurdles because they're already under the same umbrella. It could be Dana White doesn't want to expose Steve into that, but he really doesn't have anything to lose. <clears throat> he really doesn't have anything to lose. And quite frankly, I only feel like can benefit a guy like Steve. Steve is a guy who's been looking for that rub, who's been looking to, to show that he's a bigger deal. 
I feel like a guy like Stephen Miocic could use a fight with a guy like Tyson Fury, who's going to talk a lot of mess, who's going to be that foe. He really hasn't had that, and I don't really see one coming down the pipe. Yeah, the, the the Daniel Cormier fight, they could do that again. They could do the trilogy. I'm not super hot on seeing those guys fight again. Uh, DC's getting older. We know that it's kind of just one last fight out the door. Doesn't really do one way or another much for his legacy. Okay, he goes out on top. If you're if you're the UFC, do you really want because if you re- do you really want DC coming back and beating Stipe? No. Stipe is the guy who has the years behind him. Who has the who has the years of fighting uh, behind him? DC is going to be done one way or the other. So the only other thing that would make sense if you're the UFC to build up Miocic would be a fight with John Jones. And he's able to beat John Jones. You know the Ngannou fight. I still think is going to be a big deal when those guys fight again. But Stipe whooped his ass, man. So if you're both under the ESPN platform. Why not do a crossover fight with Tyson Fury and Stipe Miocic? And I'd say the same thing if Masvidal and Canelo were under the same company. They're just not. So I'm being realistic about it. I know that UFC's not going to just let Jorge Masvidal waltz over to the zone. So until Canelo Alvarez, unless he gets bro- uh, unless he's able to find a way to get out of his Golden Boy contract, who has this deal with the zone, until until that happens, I just think it's a silly thing to talk about because Masvidal's just not at that level right now from a box office standpoint for them to want to go through those hurdles. But there's not really any hurdles with Stipe versus Tyson Fury. They're both in the same barn. They both fight under the same network. You could definitely make this fight happen. Now what's really ahead for Jorge Masvidal? I mean it's Miami. Let's let's get let's get down to it. What is next for Miami's uh BMF champ? What it what what could be happening for him? Okay, so Nick Diaz does this interview this week with Ariel Helwani and he's talking about how he wants to avenge the loss for his baby brother. He throws a lot of stuff out there. It's it's a little bit incoherent with what direction he's going. He, he's just he's going off on these tangents and self-admittedly in these. Like, I know I go out on tangents, but he does make it clear. He doesn't like the fact that Masvidal was saying the things about baptizing his brother. That's my baby brother, all that stuff. So I'm the original BMF. That's my belt, all that stuff. And then throws out Jerry's world, wants to do a fight in Texas. Um. You know, and then and then Hawani comes comes uh, with a clarification after the interview and says his team just wants to make it clear they didn't want to fight Jorge Masvidal next. They want to do it in the spring, and they want to do it at Cowboy Stadium in Jerry's World. Um, the only thing this is what I would say with the Nick Diaz fight with with Jorge Masvidal. I'll be absolutely pumped if it happens. I want to, I want to just get that off the bat. Jorge Masvidal versus Nick Diaz, cool storyline. It's it's it, it writes itself. I feel like it would be a big success. I feel like it would. But I do wonder from the current fan base's standpoint, the fan base that is, you know, in and in with this every single day, you know, watching every single card, you're watching Sao Paulo, all that stuff. Is Nick Diaz still the star that he was or has Nate passed him? Because Nate, was on two of the biggest UFC pay-per-views of all time. He was. He fought Conor McGregor, a bonafide star, and he got the rub. He got he got it shown that he's also a big star, and he's a big reason for that. And a lot of people say, well, Nate was a big reason why that fight was as big, too. The Diaz name was, but let's be honest with it, it was really Conor McGregor. He was hotter than ever. I mean, Conor McGregor was 
let's let's not forget what that was supposed to be. That fight was supposed to be against Rafael dos Anjos. It was supposed to be Conor McGregor going for his second weight class title. The guy was the hottest thing on the planet, combat sports wise. But it did a lot of these people who are of the Conor McGregor fan base, like we could say, like I, I do feel like there's a divide of the guys who people think are like the greatest. You know, George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva. There's that era of superstar of you know superstar in the UFC, and then there's the people who caught on to the Conor McGregor wave, the Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey wave of those guys being the top two, Ronda and Conor. And Nick is in that old era. He is in the old era of uh, GSP, Anderson Silva. And, and you remember when GSP came back to fight Michael Bisping for the middleweight championship. It was cool. He's the greatest of all time. You know, he's, he's arguably the greatest of all time. Came back for a second belt. But something was just a little bit off as far as people caring about George St. Pierre the way you thought they would care about George St. Pierre. And I feel like with Nick, I think everybody who's in it, the 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 people who love the sport, the hardcores, we're all going to love it. Uh, Ariel Hawani, who has been covering this, the sport since, since forever, he's going to love it. He says he gets goosebumps over it. Cool. Uh, the people ca- you know who have covered the sport, the Chel Sonnens, all those people, yeah, they love it. But they're they're kind of in it, you know. It's it's hard not to love it because you love Nick Diaz and you love what he stands for and all that stuff. But I'm talking about what really does make more money, you know, Nick Diaz or George Masvidal fighting for the title. I don't necessarily know that it's Jorge Masvidal. I mean, if you were to tell me that Colby Covington wins the belt in a couple of weeks and he's the undisputed welterweight champion of the world, and his number one contender is Jorge Masvidal. With the bad blood those guys have slung between each other, the legit bad blood, the the fire and ferocity that those guys have been spewing at each other for a while now, I, I'm I'm gonna go with in, in this in this era of people wanting to jaw back and forth. I'm saying that's a bigger pay per view draw than fighting Nick Diaz and Masvidal fighting for the undisputed championship because that's just the day and age we're in. I don't know if there's enough hardcore fans that are gonna carry a pay per view by. They're like, yes, Nick is here to avenge his brother. It's like, okay, I mean, I, I guess it's it, it's it's a cool story. And, again, I'd be fired up if it happens. But I don't necessarily know if it's this banging blockbuster pay-per-view that everybody thinks that it's going to be. Because he's going to what? He's going to not show up to the press conference. He's going to do the bit where he doesn't show up to the press conference. Uh, we saw with, with Nate versus George. It wasn't, you know, the press conferences, they weren't that fire. They didn't really go at each other very much. And, and that stuff matters these days. It also had the pomp and circumstances of The Rock, the BMF title, all that stuff. I don't know if that can be recaptured in a Nick Diaz fight. I don't. I really don't. So while it's cool to see Nick Diaz wants Jorge Masvidal and wants that matchup and wants to avenge the uh, the loss that his brother took to him and doesn't like the fact that you know he said things like oh, "baptize my baby brother" and all that stuff, it's great. And if it happens, it happens. That that's awesome. But I don't. I don't think it's this slam dunk everybody thinks that it is from a from a from a business standpoint. I really, really don't. I think that there are other fun matchups. I think Masvidal becoming world champion and then maybe fighting Conor McGregor later on in the year. I think those are absolute slam dunk monster fights. And then Nick Diaz stuff, the Diaz stuff in general. I think it's always going to be there for Jorge Masvidal. I really, really do. Um, but it was fun to see Nick back. It was fun to see him back in action. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you missed any of the show, you can download the podcast. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.